I tell everybody there's just one word that's related to, to legs, and that's pain. The more mm. pain you can tolerate, the better your legs are going to grow. And I'm not saying bad pain. I'm saying good pain, you know? What's up, guys? Welcome back to Blood, Sweat, and Gear with Skip Hill, Andrew Berry. I'm Scott McNally, and we are joined today by special guest coach, Phil Viz. Uh, all of our programming is brought to you by truenutrition.com. You can use our code THINK for some additional savings. If you're in Canada, we're also brought to you by supplementsource.ca. And we're joined today by Phil's dog. We have to go straight into the <laughs> Bella? Mm -hmm. She's beautiful. How old is she? She loves me. He dotes on that. He dotes on that dog like I don't on my cats. How old is she? She's uh, about eleven now. She's a rescue. Oh, she's beautiful. For anybody who's listening on the audio, you can't get to enjoy this the way we can. I, <laughs> here's what I was thinking before we get into this, Skip. We need we need a Phil Viz intro from you because you've known Phil longer than any of us have, and you've known him better than any of us have. So, I mean, I've. Dude, I enjoyed Phil's contributions to like the Geared Up podcast, and that's where I really got to know who you were. And man, I was listening to those episodes and like literally taking notes at the time. Uh, yeah, and, you know, yeah, go ahead. You know what? We uh, we actually, I think we were probably one of the first podcasts to consistently uh, put do an educational segment every hour. You know, some podcasts yeah. there wasn't a lot of them, but there was like some information here and there. And then uh, Adam McVeigh came up with the idea, and he's like, listen, why don't you just do a specific topic like an hour every single podcast? Yeah. And it really blew up the viewership, and it, it, you know, it blew my name up, and you know, people really liked it. And there's people telling me that they did contest preps just from listening to the podcasts. Sure. And you know, it was a lot of information that you know, I, just, I just like to share. Um, one of the things that um, I always try to stand by is – um, I actually said this to Skip probably five or six years ago. I said I could never repay you for what you did. Um, just real short story. Um, I was 20 years old asking a million questions on the forums. And somebody said, you know, why don't you just hire Skip? And I said, well, I can't afford it. And then Skip replied, you know, uh, like jokingly, oh, I'm due, I'm due for some charity work. This one's pro bono. I didn't know what pro bono meant, so I had to go look it up. <laughs> and then I, I jumped so high, my head almost hit the ceiling. So years later, I said to him, I don't think I'll ever be able to repay you. And he said, don't pay me anything. He said, pay it forward. Hmm. So that's what I always try to do now. No know? kidding. I love that story. So, so Skip, give us an intro. Who is Phil Viz? Phil Viz. Everybody thinks Phil's last name is Viz. For starters, it's not. It's, it, is, is there an I in the middle? It's Vizicaro, right? Yeah, Vizicaro, yeah. Vizicaro. Yeah. So you'll be, let's see. What you were twenty years old, so let's go. What year? Um, we've known each other since. Well, it's been the boards. It's intense muscle, of course. I think it was. Uh, does go by. Two, I'm thinking it was about two thousand five. I didn't know if it was as early as four, but I knew that by six we were rolling. So I mean, that's been what fifteen, sixteen years. Coming up, maybe on seventeen now. So it's been yeah. a long time. But you have to understand. I wish we had pictures from when he started because anybody with bad genetics would be like, "Oh fuck, maybe I can do this too." <laughs> because it just was not obvious. When I say bad genetics, I don't want to, you know, be clearly you have genetic, you had the genetic potential to get to where you're going and still where you're going to go. But when you visually see that starting point, you're just you. No one would have guessed. And yeah. he took a lot of shit and a lot of heat for a long time. Um, I can't run down your your contests, your accolades and stuff because there's so there's just so many of them. It's crazy. You have been like the Geico guy with the fishing rod. Oh, oh, just out of reason, just miss it with the pro card on a you know a couple of occasions. It's been one of those you know types of situations, and you know clearly not done yet. You went into uh, coaching. And have made a big name for yourself. Stayed true to your personality and and not taking <laughs> not taking any shit. Sometimes I post, see you post on. I'm like, he's still harsh. He's still hard. Age has not slowed him down yet. But that's good too. That works. Obviously, it works for you and it works for your clients. You got a hell of a following. I don't know what else to add other than you do it's post good. elaborate or you do elaborate things for you. You treat your dog like a kid. It's awesome. I see that you got elaborate birthday parties. It's just crazy. And you are, I mean, you and Fran, right? I mean, what's going on? Yep. yep. That's been a while. That's a good thing. And I, 
I, I don't know if I have told you, but you needed that anchor. And to see that and to watch you guys' relationship is fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Watch that from the start, and I'm like, this is a good thing. She's a good woman. So, All right. Well, yeah, here's well. here's what our game plan is for the day, guys. So uh, as Phil mentioned, uh, way back in the day, like early 2000s, he posted a lot of questions over at Intense Muscle. Well, he actually himself went back and got some of these questions <laughs> that he had posted, and today Phil is going to answer Phil's questions. Actually, we're all going to kind of jump in on this stuff, but there, I think there's some good topics. And listen, if you were a guy that is newer and you're asking questions on the board, I feel like a lot of people could probably benefit from this information. So like we were talking a little bit before the program that, you know, people get too embarrassed to ask, you know, quote unquote, stupid questions. But the reality is it's like the person who does everybody else is really grateful for it. So I'm, I've got a bunch of them here. I don't even know where we're going to start. So I'm just going to randomly grab this one about diuretics. See where we go with this. So this was February 2004. Uh, he says, um, Oh, that was the join date, but no, I, oh. just, I don't want anybody to call you on that. I might as well do it myself, but Oh, okay. It, it was probably in there. Five, six, two thousand. Oh, it's uh, it was, it was uh, five twenty eight two thousand and four. Ah. It says when this was posted at oh, six thirty AM. So this was like an early morning post. Phil was up thinking about <laughs> shit at six thirty. <laughs> I, I honestly could not sleep. I used to, I swear to God, I would jump out of bed and before I would piss, yeah. I would have an idea for the night before and I'd go post it on the board and then I would go to the bathroom and make my breakfast. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. So the question is, is why is it diuretics sometimes flatten people out and how do you avoid it? And he says, uh, I know a lot of people who have had problems with diuretics flattening them out. I'm guessing it is due to the diuretic pulling water out of the body. Can it actually drain water out of the muscle though? What causes this and what can be done to avoid it? So that's a good question, though. That's why I can't beat him up for the question because the questions were always good. You know yeah. what's actually funny is uh, when I went when I scrolled these questions on the board, um, most of these questions that Skip replied to, he had the right answer to, and he was way ahead of his time because nobody huh. was diving into the research and education at that point like this. So Skip was really, really, really ahead of his time. No one started really coming up with complex answers to these questions until much much later you know so i i i feel um special that i had access to this information so early when this information just didn't exist anywhere yeah. you know that is because i know skip one thing that i learned from skip was that in, instead of looking at drugs and i always say this and i credit skip for actually saying this because this is his quote said instead of looking at drugs from a this is for bodybuilder standpoint learn its medical application first jerk off <laughs> and then apply it to bodybuilding. You know, insulin wasn't invented so you could get bigger muscle. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. So you got to learn the medical application and all the physiological processes and, you know, benefits, side effects, drawbacks, interactions and things like that and and know exactly what it does in order to apply it effectively. Yeah. You know, cuz we see, we see crazy things today. We see Top name coaches. I'm not going to bash anybody or use anybody's name, but we see top, top, top tier coaches giving somebody five full diazide in a day. Like, are you crazy? Sure. You know, and it just clearly shows that they have no regard for these medications from a medical standpoint. You know, like, oh, you're not dry, just get drier without even considering the ramifications that could possibly happen. You know, I, I feel people, like, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no. Well, some people actually have been hospitalized from these exact coaches because of that. Sure. You know, there was an IFBB pro. I'm not going to name the names. Then you'll know the coach. But very, very, very famous IFBB pro that went to lunch with me and told me, you know, I fell asleep. I didn't take the fifth diazide. If I did, I'd have been dead because I was in the hospital the next day. Hmm. Oh, shit. You know, it's like crazy shit. People have no regard or respect for a lot of these drugs that can pretty much kill you. Do you guys feel like in general there is less diuretics being used or is it just the cool thing to say that like as a coach I don't use diuretics because I feel like I, when I, I was coming that, up there I was like a ton of people using you know just everybody was on the five diazide plan and nowadays a lot of coaches are like hey I don't use diuretics. I think a lot of coaches lie. 
And I see this Thank a lot you. across the board. I, I mean, I know coaches lie because I've literally seen the text messages from my, uh, my clients and my friends and other coaches. And um, actually, it was funny. Uh, on, on a Geared Up episode, Adam McVeigh had a coach on that was known for crushing people with T3. And he asked him about it because, uh, you know, Adam, you don't give a fuck. So he asked him about it. And the guy's, oh, I've never put somebody on 100 mics T3. He's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I have the program right here. Yeah. Like, it says 125 uh, with your email attached to it. Yeah. You know, like, they'll, they'll boldface a lie <laughs> like you won't believe. There's a lot of do as I say, not as I do. I completely agree with that, and I was hoping that you felt the same way. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, I don't know that diuretics is or isn't as rampant. The problem is, is I don't think that the people talking about the topic are being as honest and open as we used to be about it. Hmm. So then, you you know, I know I'm getting my information, not usually from other prep guys, as we used to shoot the shit. It was a lot more of a bro, you know, like a community. I mean, we had debates behind the scenes and discussions that would be even better than anything you could find on the board. <clears throat> and, um, you know, in mod forums and things like that. But it, it just, you don't know you almost have to get your information from clients. I hate to say it. And I don't go at clients and say, Hey, you know, tell me exactly what, but I need to know a history of a protocol. I need to have some idea of what you did last time that didn't work because you're coming to work with me now and you're coming to me because you're pissed because something didn't go. I need to know what went wrong. And out of that information, I don't know how many times I've scratched my head. Now I will say this on the other side to be fair. And this is true. There is no question that I have gotten clients from great coaches, people of whom I respect, and I would hope that this has happened on the reverse as well, where, you know what, you do something with a client and it doesn't work. And it may not have been, you know, ridiculously dangerous and you put their life in, in jeopardy or anything to that extent. But we all have different philosophies and different methodology that is tweaked, the things that we believe and don't believe. And we all think that we have the best approach or we wouldn't be using it. So I understand that people have worked with clients of mine before and they probably thought, oh, gee, why, why did Skip do this? But we're not going to know all the little intricate details and all the variables that happened that may have played up to that. And I have to remind myself of that in my older age where I did not do that in my younger age and I would have busted some balls 15 years ago versus now where I go, there are variables that I don't know. Let me, uh, let me add to this that um, while coaches can be guilty, clients and athletes are very guilty as well, and they are liars too. They look for people to blame. They will lie about a situation straight to your face. Um, I know an Olympian this year that did very well where his coach told me, like, he literally has to be in his room and search his fucking room in his bag and bring the diuretics because <laughs> that motherfucker will eat them if he's not there watching. <laughs> Have them in a Pez container and, 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 and them and counted. And then yeah. his pro posts, oh, I barely take diuretics. You're a fucking liar because I know you do. Yeah. Maybe they mean you, relatively speaking. It doesn't seem like a lot. Go ahead, Andrew. <laughs> Well, well, to talk about what Skip was saying, though, I think, um, you know, when you get a new client and let's say they had a bad situation with a previous coach, they'll basically tell you straight up, like, yeah. he killed me with diuretics. I look like shit on stage. So yeah. if it is a diuretic situation, they will always tell you, or it might be the other way, because I've had people say, you know, I told them I always do really well. Let's say this is an experienced competitor and they'll say, like, look, I'm good with 125 milligram diazide. And the coach was like, I'm absolutely not using it with you. I'm, there's no way. And as they continued to get wetter and wetter, they didn't even enter the thought of using it. So I, I, I've seen it both ways. And I've, I've had feedback from new clients uh, going both ways. I could see yeah. that for sure. Well, I know, I, know, I know Andrew is very, very good at peaking people without diuretics at all because he learned a lot of it from John. And, you know, a lot of times people didn't, didn't even want to believe John when John would say he didn't take a diuretic. I was in his fucking room with Andrew. I, 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 I watched him fucking peek. He didn't touch a diuretic. He just really mm -hmm. was so lean and his skin was so thin that it would have just made him worse. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's just, I mean, it I, I can say of... personally, I, I've only used diuretics. I think two shows with John and one was when I talked him into it because I thought I needed it from what I was seeing. Uh, I think I probably should have listened or, you know, gone with his advice and saying not to use them, but he said it was my call. Um, but I will say that my best looks were without any diuretics. Absolutely. Josh Wade, uh, Meadows qualified him for the Olympia one year and they didn't touch diuretics that year. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah. yeah. It's like it happens, and then you have other people who just go from good to like holy. Holy fucking shit. Now, one thing I will say, too, is, is even though I might be, and I, I don't know because I don't know too much about specifics, but I might be a little bit more pro-diuretic use than you guys. But I will put this little caveat, this little side note on here, and that is when it comes to my diuretic protocols, though, they are incredibly minimal. Yeah. And rarely is there any type of elimination or radical change in the in water intake. Even if it has to be more radical relative to what I do, it is a very, very brief short time, brief and short amount of time. Uh, it's not a day. It's not a day and a half where we're doing sips or things like that. That's where, it, you know, I think, too, we have to be careful. And I know we're talking about diuretics. I don't want to get long winded here, but the the diuretic itself isn't as much the problem is when you combine the component of restricting water, shifting or dropping sodium down to nothing. There's a lot of other variables in there that factor in that are equally as important because you can take a 25 milligram hydrochlorothiazide every day and your blood pressure is a little lower and your water intake and your electrolytes are fine. Sure. And people do that as medication, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I got my thiazide from one of my clients who was 80 years old. And he was on 75 milligrams a day. And I was like, I just happened to mention to him that like, oh, yeah, I'm looking for some diuretics for my show because he's a doctor and he was very interested in like what we do as bodybuilders. He's like, oh, you can have some of mine. And I'm like, you have some? He's like, yeah, I take 75 milligrams a day. He's like, pulls out his little pocket. He's like, here's eight of them. I'm like, holy shit. This is like in 2012. I was like, I don't want anybody to hear this. secret in my hand. Who doesn't know anything about diuretics and go, oh, shit, 75 milligram. Okay, well, he takes it every well, day, so, so I could probably go 100. Yeah, and I don't mean that you – I'm just saying sometimes well, no, that leads into my next That, that leads okay. into my next point, though. Okay, that, cool. You know, some people that are prescribed 75 milligrams a day because they need it, they're not in a hyper-depleted state. Right. They're not messing they're with not. their electrolytes. They haven't done, you know – 80 hours of cardio and sucked all the fat off their body, all the water out of right. their body. Like they're a normal human being. That's a whole different population. Now to yeah. what Phil was saying, like learn the application of how it's used in normal folks first, but then apply it in the situation in which we as bodybuilders live, especially over those last three or four days. That's mm -hmm. the key there. Yeah. And well, if you're going to use it, run a trial three, four weeks out. Just put it in there so that you know how the client is going to respond. You yeah. don't have to go through everything. You don't have to mimic the exact peak technique. But put it in there. Play around a little bit so that you have some idea of what's going to happen. Well, I wanted to add this one point now to the question that I asked myself earlier, the one that you posted about the diuretics yeah. and how to keep from going flat and everything. This pairs very diuretic use pairs very well with Skip's approach to loading. And people don't realize that you have to load harder if you're using a diuretic. And the reason that you have to load harder using a diuretic is because diuretics cause electrolyte loss. So what you have to do is you have to overpower that signal in some way in order to facilitate glycogen storage. So the way to do that is if you've read the research, insulin improve, uh, increases uh, electrolyte uh, storage to super physiological levels. That's why people retain water. That's why people have elevated bl uh, blood pressure. So if you have something that's causing too much electrolyte loss and you're not eating properly, you're going to get flatter and flatter and flatter and flatter and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And a lot of times what happens is people's skin gets looser and the muscles get flat and they interpret that as, oh, I'm holding water. I can't stand when judges say, oh, he was holding water. No, he wasn't. He was flat. Yeah. yeah. You know, so you have to load hard enough to to an extent to overpower the diuretic or you're just going to get flatter. You guys agree? Absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. 100%. I think, does that relate to this question? Cause I had another one of your questions here Should about loading carbs. Let's see. Let me look, just pull it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, how can you load carbs and be completely full when cutting sodium? Okay. Don't cut sodium. <laughs> we all know about yeah. ramping up the water and trying to cut it correctly to find correct time to cut. Um, when I, what I never understood is a lot of prep guys I've seen, I'm pretty sure cut sodium way down on Wednesday or Thursday and Friday. Isn't Wednesday and Thursday the days that you would begin the traditional carb load? Uh, can you, oh, excuse me, how can you load carbs if your sodium is depleted and can't help the load? That's a good question too. Okay, well, and so, I think it, it, you got to start out by talking about how, how do carbs get into the cell, right? Yeah, well, I mean, 
if we're, if we're looking at that, first of all, cutting sodium down without taking a diuretic is not going to cause excessive sodium loss. So you're not going to be sodium depleted. What's going to happen is your aldosterone levels are actually going to start to climb and you're going to start to hold a lot of water along with the carbohydrates. So cutting sodium down, as long as you're not using a diuretic, is never going to cause you to go flat. Your body is too smart for that. Your body's not going to let, you, let itself die you know, by, have, by shifting its electrolyte balance to the extent where it's going to affect you. So what's going to happen is you're going to hold a shit ton of water, which is why you either want to minimally bring it down in certain circumstances, depending on the client and their response, which you should know by now as the coach. Like Skip said, you run trials leading up to the show, which a lot of coaches I noticed don't do, and they should. Um, but you're not going to lose so much sodium that you can't load glucose. What's going to happen is by lowering sodium, see a lot of people think that water loading is what lowers aldosterone and it's really not. What lowers aldosterone is keeping your sodium high. So your body is, is, is reading it as above baseline. So it starts to hyper excrete. And the reason why we bring water up along with that is to flush out the sodium because you want to pair your water with your sodium intake. So aldosterone is going down fight by elevating your sodium. If you bring your sodium down, aldosterone goes up and then you start to retain any water that you drink or anything that comes in with the carbs and such. So you actually are not going to affect the carb load. You're going to make yourself hold water by cutting sodium down unless you lose it, unless you use a diuretic or if you have somebody who's more sodium retentive in the first place, you know what I'm saying? So you might want to bring it down a little bit. You know what yeah. I'm saying? What do you guys think? I was going to say, you know, the importance of really knowing your client is like when you manipulate something like sodium, how long does it take until aldosterone kicks in? Right. Because I think we've hmm. all seen varying, uh, varying timelines of where like, oh, Joe Blow, you know, a day later is when they start to hold water versus someone else who maybe they have more muscle mass, maybe they have less muscle mass. There's other variables involved. So that I think to your point, both you guys, what you were saying, Skip and, and Phil, do the trial run, know your client, know how their bodies yeah. react, because I might be very different than Phil versus, you know, Scott versus Skip in terms of when I would start to hold water when I pull some sodium. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. here's, here's, here's actually a good tip that uh, for a lot of coaches watching this, um, a lot of times, like, They'll run a trial run or they'll do a refeed. Now, your refeeds are your trial runs, for example. So your refeeds, when yes. you refeed a client starting like six weeks out or five weeks out or whatever point, you should be running that refeed as if it was going to be a peak. That Dude, way, yeah, I look at that like, from the beginning, you know, that first cheat meal or whatever. But you know what I like, mean? Yeah. But like Andrew just said, there's a period of time that it takes that water to come off from that For sure. Up. For sure. So that's right. why I'll tell my clients. When we do a refeed, I need pictures in the morning for the next two to three days because I need to see which day you look best after right. we did it. Yeah. You know, you might look great the next day, but then better the next day or better to, the next day. So to, to that we need point, to know which, which, what the timeline is here. To, to that point, Scott was in on this because he, he, you know, me and him and uh, Nate are in a, in a group chat, Nate Spear, and Nate's obviously doing nationals in six days, some days. And, um, and he, I think you'd asked us about like when we did like a trial load or, or something like that. Yeah, you guys, you guys uh, did 400 carbs. A it's funny you mentioned that because I just pulled Nate's pictures up. I was going to take a Nate Spear break here in a minute so we could oh, really? we could look at Nate's pictures because he's looking sick. As a matter of fact, I'll pull this up from today right now. But uh, yeah, we were talking about uh, we were talking about you guys did 400 carbs a couple days ago, and then you. So you were doing another 400 today, was it? Or something yeah, so, like that? No, no, no. So, so uh, we did it Thursday ago. and Friday. Right? Yes. Okay. I, and, I, and I get pictures from Nate in the morning and the evening every single day, usually starting like four weeks out or something like that. Before that, it's like two, three times a week, et cetera. You know, everyone has their thing. Yeah. But at this point, we're, we're morning and night because I just want to see how his body's changing from morning to evening. I want to see how his body's changing from day to day. Just like Phil said, it's not just the day after the first refeed or the day of refeeding. It's two days later or three days later. Yeah. And you can make some judgment calls based off of, okay, does he need two days of loading? Does he need three days of loading? Like, hmm. where, where, like you can come up with your strategy for peak week in the three, four weeks prior to the show based off of what you're seeing. Like right. what Phil's saying, with those pictures in subsequent days. Absolutely. Funny too, because yeah. that protocol in doing it that way also helps the not only the, the trainer too, but the client to be at ease because by the time the last week rolls around, you're on cruise control. You know what to expect. There's no anxiety or very, very little anxiety of, gosh, I don't know how I'm going to respond. Gee, what happens if I do this or yeah. that? You know 
what's going to happen. And it makes that last week be, be very fucking chill while everybody else around you is panicked to shit. That's a good point. <laughs> that's that's a difference between experienced and like first mm-hmm. time, second time, third time competitors. Because all my yep. first time competitors, they're like, what's this big plan for peak week? It's like, yeah, we've already been doing it like three, four times yeah. now. Like, like yeah. I might pull a little bit more water the day before. That's it. Like literally, yep. you know, yeah. I had some vitamins in the last week. That's it. Like he's keeping like secrets expecting. from me. And yeah, I they're expecting some that. elaborate. They're expecting some elaborate like plan. <laughs> at two p.m., you need to do this, and at three thirty p.m., you need to take this. And oh nope, cut your protein. And like they want some weird variables. It's like no, no, no. Like you should be looking the way you're going to look a week out. Like yeah. at two weeks out, even if, if if you know you're a national level guy, you know. Ooh, I got another one here. All right, let me pull this guy up. Let's see here. All right, you should pull up some of the funny ones. Okay, well, I want to make it a point too that when people see these dates. Yeah. Make no mistake. That's not the gap between the last question that he asked and the next question. He asked. <laughs> <laughs> that would have to come down to time. It'd be like 11, 16, 11, 19, 11, 35, yes. 36, 37. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what's going on, guys? I'm going to take a brief moment to shout out our sponsors. I'll make it quick, but this stuff's super important because it's our sponsors that help to make this show possible. If it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be here. And if it wasn't for you shopping with our sponsors, we wouldn't be here either. You could support our programming by shopping with truenutrition.com they're our title sponsor they've supported us for a number of years they have awesome health and performance supplements you can ask skip or dusty or scott stevenson all about true nutrition and they'll tell you how good of a company they are hardcore bodybuilders have trusted them for over 15 years now use our code think you'll get some savings you'll support our programming If you're in Canada, you can shop with supplementsource.ca. They have highly discounted supplements, discounts on bulk orders, and free shipping over $99. Check them out. And finally, you can directly support our programming on Patreon. I'll have links below for Patreon and everything else. We're taking more questions over there, and I appreciate everybody who's already helping to directly support our programming through our Patreon. All right, guys. Thanks for hanging with me. Let's get back to the show. All right. Diet changes as you get really lean to continue progress. Uh, What do you gurus, what, excuse me, what do gurus do like to do as far as diet changes to further progress leaning out once you have reached say 6% body fat? It's a good question. Only thing I can think of is to up the fat burning drugs, introduce T3, which I don't have in, um, but considering go very low carbs, 50 grams a day, or add a second cardio session somewhere during the day. Not sure where. Only thing I'm worried about is with each of these possibilities uh, of losing a lot of muscle. Um, A lot of you adjust things to ensure that you spare muscle when you incorporate one of these things to get, uh, excuse me, how do you adjust these things um, and spare muscle basically while getting to extremely low body fat. And, you know, I want to add too, just to throw this out there. Uh, we talked about this, uh, you know, before we had started recording, you're asking this stuff because you had a lot of this. I mean, I know that you worked with skip, but you were also doing like your own diets. You were asking these questions cause you were well, in the middle was, of it, right? Year after working with skip. Okay. And I was still asking nonstop questions cause I was, I wanted to know everything. I wanted the answer to everything. And there wasn't, a ton of answers out there not like today back when back when these these uh posts were made there might have been 20 30 articles on the entire internet and i read every one of them and memorized them like ima- imagine only having 20 or 30 articles period that's it yeah and like you know some of them were from scott abel and you know like there, there was not a lot of information at all on this so i was trying to figure out everything and the funny thing about that question is I remember exactly what was going on and what I was thinking and what I did wrong. Huh. So the reason I asked that question is because I was running into trouble getting leaner. And what I didn't realize for a good four or five years was I was stalling out my metabolism. Mm-hmm. I didn't take into consideration that I had a different metabolism than everybody else. Hmm. So I was just, okay, we got to go low carbs. Low carbs don't work on me. If I take my carbs down to 50, I start stalling out. And like I said before, I would go so flat that my skin would get looser. I would think I gained body fat. So then I would diet harder and I'd do more cardio <laughs> and it would get worse and worse and worse and worse because I Reloading never considered all? that my that my metabolism was faster than everybody else's. Hmm. Yeah. 
Were you refeeding you at all? Yeah, he had to. No, be no refeeds. Yeah. Straight no diet. Okay, oh, okay. No okay so you were just okay. push harder, I, do more. I, I would do. See, I didn't have Skip helping me at that point, so I wasn't confident to do those cheat days on the weekend like we used to yeah. do. So I would do one like every two or three weeks because I was too scared that I would fuck it up. Yeah. Well, isn't so it also as a competitor? Isn't it also you're like, I'm giving in. If even though like if with a client you'd be like, no, you need to feed, you need to eat. And you're as as yourself when you're controlling yourself, it's so hard to like balance that. Like, oh, I'm giving in to desire to eat more. I'm cheating, mm-hmm. if you get what I'm saying. Versus, oh, I used to tor- no, I used to this is exactly myself. what someone who would be coaching me would be telling me to do. Yeah. What people don't real and what people also don't realize is, you know, they see the point that I built my legs up to, and that's why I always try to post those before pictures because my legs are absolutely. Skip knows he's seeing this. My legs are not genetic; they're fucking sticks. By, by nature, I built my legs up to 32 inches, you know, and it took fucking forever. But what happened is before I had any type of maturity, that new muscle would just fall right the fuck off. Huh? Yeah. So too much cardio was making me look worse. It was shrinking my leg. I had this all backwards, everything. I was I was in mega trouble. But I think, too, even though you had a fast metabolism, and clearly that played a part because it was funny. I don't remember the situation, but as as I'm reading along with Scott, your question, I'm thinking to myself, uh, I'm going to have to make the point that, you know, sometimes the adjustment is that the calories have to go up and then the metabolism takes off again. So it's funny that that's exactly what happened. But I do want to say that even though that was obvious for you and someone with a very fast metabolism, there are people on the planet with shitty metabolism. We'll just take myself as an example. And you get convinced that you have a shitty metabolism and then you really lock in and you play and you fuck with it. And and it's crazy how you can take a shitty metabolism too and build the fuck out of it. If you are incredibly structured, disciplined in your off season for very long lengths of time. And not a lot of people can do that. Even top level guys struggle sometimes in the off season to keep things structured and as disciplined as it, as it should be. So basically what I'm saying is I don't want anybody listening to say, Oh, well, it must just be for fast metabolisms like Phil's situation. You'd be surprised at what you can do with a mediocre or shitty metabolism too, as far as building it. If you are willing to be disciplined enough in the off season and it's a, it's a diet, it's basically like a prep diet. It's just more calories and playing around with feeding and throwing gas on the fire. Well, Skip is absolutely right on that. And I think this is a mistake that a lot of coaches fall into um, is abusive T3 because like Skip just said, they don't know how to use nutrition. They don't know how to build the metabolism up, you know, and people watching this who don't know how to do it, they're going to be, oh, well, I just add carbs. No, it's not that simple. You know, you have to be able to add carbohydrates in to where they're, I call it sneaking them into the diet. So carbs that are going to be used, you know, so you put them in pre-workout, you put them in intro intro workout, you put them in post-workout, you put them in after your hit cardio, you put them in at points where you know they're going to be utilized without the opportunity to be stored as body fat. So the more calories you can get in, get snuck in at key points without accumulating body fat, that's going to ramp your metabolism up. And a lot of coaches don't know how to do that. So what do they do? Metabolism is struggling. Add synthetic metabolism, T3. Oh, yeah. struggling again. Let's pull some food. Let's add T3. Let's add some more cardio. You're making it worse and worse and worse. And you have to be skilled enough to know how to read a person's body and their response to get those calories snuck into the program to, to generate metabolism, like Skip said. Yeah. There's a metaphor that I use uh, with my clients, and that is this. I always use, you know, I've always said, you guys have heard me say it. You know, the skip loads are like pouring gas on a fire. That's a broken record. But it, it, to your point of sne- I like the way you, wor- you, you word that because it is sneaking them in. It's being very subtle about it's almost tricking or coercing your body. And in doing so, it comes back to the gas analogy. You wouldn't walk up to a fire and throw a fucking the entire, you know, can of gasoline on it yep. and think that it's not going to fuck you up. So you come up, you put a little bit on there, you put a little bit on there so you don't fuck yourself up. And that is, again, an analogy or a pretty good analogy, I think, for what you're saying as far as sneaking them in. And then that, those very, very slow, controlled, disciplined, structured um, incremental increases in, in not just carbs, but in calories in general, is what will slowly feed your metabolism over time. And it's crazy, hmm. crazy what you can do. And this is this is what's actually funny about this is 
people don't realize, and this is a mistake that people make with bigger bodybuilders. Now, um, not to toot my own horn, but if you ever see any of my like really big guys, the open pros that I've had, I've always done really, really well with them. And it's because I understand how to read their body. But what happens is um, when you get to the tail end of prep, like I said, sneak them into being used, right? Basically partitioned properly. Um, when you're that lean and your metabolism's going that fast, you start to really burn through it and all of it gets used. So what happens is our bigger guys, we end up actually probably increasing calories into the show, mm-hmm. not taking them down. I could see you probably do something like that with Nate sometimes because it looks yeah. like he just starts to handle food better and better and better. You know, he gets to a point where he's kind of flat and he's almost lean. And then when he's lean, he looks like he just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. I actually use it myself. Like I might be someone, let's just throw weird numbers out. Like I'm at 250 grams of carbs a day or even a lot of zero carb days for months and months and months. Once I'm in shape, it's like I turn the corner. It goes as high as like 750 on a base rest day. Yeah, absolutely. So to your point exactly, like three weeks after the show, it's not uncommon for me to feel like I'm in the off season with what I'm eating as I lead into the show where I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to eat anymore. I don't want to have this free meal after having 500 grams of carbs today. Yeah, that's the best place to be too. Well, yeah, you know, the work's done, really. You know, it's it's just maintaining it, right? Yeah. Hey, I, I was just looking around here. I think I found a picture, uh, Phil, of you from, like, days, days, days gone way by. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was uh, that was uh, right before I met Skip. The, okay, so we're talking mm-hmm. the bottom left one or the big one on the right? No. Bottom left, that was <laughs> And then he worked with Skip, and 20 weeks later, we have the guy on the right. I was nat- I was natural in the bottom left. Were you really? Yeah. You had some delts well, you on you there. how small my legs were. Yeah. You made some and huge I changes. I wasn't skipping leg day. That's just how small my legs were. Tell us about that, man, because I feel like, you know, legs is something that a lot of us struggle with. What What would you say were some of the key things that helped you to to do what you did, man? Because, I mean, I'm going to pull that picture up again, dude. Like, your freaking legs are nothing short but crazy right there, you know? Yeah, if you scroll down a little further, you'll find pictures of my leg progression. I yeah. I up a collage. But um, I tell everybody there's just one word that's related to, to legs, and that's pain. The more mm. pain you can tolerate, the better your legs are going to grow. And I'm not saying bad pain. I'm saying good pain, you know? I was never one to try to squat super heavy, you know, like I've weighed as much as 265 and I've squatted 500 for eight, which is not heavy at all for somebody who was 265. It's like a joke to most 265s. So I was never super strong and I never did super low reps. I always did higher reps and I did intensifiers and I really try. I I really enjoyed pushing myself and challenging myself, but I always had this insecurity in my head about my legs. So they were always a priority. Um, I think uh, proper form helps. Mm. Um, when I was younger, I didn't really have to worry about mobility, so my mobility was pretty good. Later years, when my mobility started getting tighter as you get older, I had to work on that in order to keep my legs growing. But for the most part, honestly, I just think the word is pain. You know, mm. Most people can't push themselves to the point where their legs are going to grow. And what they don't realize is we're walking around on our legs all day long. They are resilient. They are not going to grow unless you force them to grow. Now, granted, there's some people like uh, my buddy Austin Carr, he's a 212 bodybuilder, I think he's going into the open. He's got these gigantic legs and he's like, dude, he's like, my legs get bigger on the step mill for my cardio. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I hate you because your legs yeah, are gigantic no shit, and right. they're fucking awesome shape and everything, you know? Yeah. But I think the, I think the key word is, is, is pain, you know? How much pain you can tolerate because I wasn't, anybody can lift heavy and do low reps, you know? But, when you're doing a 20, 30, 40 rep set and that pain sets in, you're not failing. Your mind is failing. Hmm. Your will is failing. Hmm. You know, there's 20 more reps in there, but do you have the heart to do it? I think that's one thing about the DC training, the Widowmakers, that really brought to light how hard you need to train legs because if you go 20 reps, to failure, you want to fucking die. There isn't much else that you're going to do in the gym that's going to be more brutal than that. And I think that, you know, you could put the argument aside of whether it's, I think it increased growth and induced growth ridiculously for the very large majority of people. But it also equally as important taught people how to basically, especially newer trainers or, or bodybuilders, newer trainees it really made them lock into the fact that you don't, you have to train your legs. If you want your legs to grow, train it as hard as you train chest. If you're willing to take chest to failure 
and beat the shit out of your chest. If you're not training your legs that way and your back that way and everything else that way, then don't expect to get good legs out of it. I, I, yeah, it's just something I that always amazes me. The level of pain that you experience is drastically different from chest to legs. Oh, you know, sure. Whole body. People, are not, whole body. people are not prepared to feel like, like we, we say like feels like a blowtorch to your legs. They think we're joking. No, it yeah. literally, it literally mm-hmm. factually feels like there was a blowtorch to your legs and you've got to keep going. Yeah. You know, I always use the analogy, like, like people are ready to put the weight down. I'm like, if I put a gun to your daughter's head or your wife's head, you'd get 10 more. Yeah. You know, it's like, how much does this matter to you? Because mm. you have it. You can do it. I can see the tempo. The weight's moving. You're mentally failing because it hurts like fucking hell. Mm. And one of the approaches, like I used to take to the Widowmaker sets, for example, because I did do DC for a while, um, was pick a weight that I could do for 10 to 12 straight and get 20. Mm-hmm. And people and people think people will listen to that and be like, well, you just said you can only do it for 10 to 12. Pause on mm-hmm. eight, take a couple breaths. 9, 10, couple breaths, 11, 12, couple breaths, 13, 14, get yourself a spotter, be a man, don't pussy out. Um, I remember I, uh, when I turned 30 years old, my 30th birthday, I hadn't been lifting for six months. I was on no gear and I was like midlife crisis type thing. You know, I was like, fuck, I'm 30 now. I'm no longer in my 20s. So I wanted to prove to myself I wasn't old. So I went to the gym. You could actually look this up on YouTube. I did 225 and 51 reps. Oh God. After six months off. Yeah, but I was fucked. At rep, I was fucked at rep twenty or twenty five. Yeah, yeah. It was just I refused to let myself not get what my goal was. And then after the camera went off, I think I passed out for like a couple minutes. But <laughs> but the fact yep. of the matter is, it's just how much heart do you have? You know, that's what legs are. Chest is not hard. Back is not even that hard. Shoulders are. That's not hard. Legs are fucking hard. Did you have to? Did you have to? be told that or did you figure that out yourself i was see i i I was raised in a town where like wrestling was a a big thing so we always had the word toughness instilled into our head like don't crack don't break nothing breaks you so i always prided myself on the fact that i believed nobody could train with me you know Mm -hmm. and i was always trying to push myself further to ensure that if anybody trade tried to train with me they couldn't I made Rich Gaspari throw up outside of the fucking gym back when I was 23. You're so, kidding. And he was known to be a monster, you yeah. know. But to, to give him credit, he composed himself. He held himself high like nothing was wrong. And then probably wouldn't have got caught if somebody wasn't coming in from the parking lot. They're like, Gaspari's puking out next to his truck. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. But That's good shit. I just – it was my competitive nature and my, my, my will to just prove to myself that I could do things, you know. We got we got this video from Andrew. This is him and his training partner uh, legs on Monday. <laughs> oh God! You made me play that, Andrew. You play, guys. I'm so sorry. What? <laughs> nice. All right. So let not me even bending over. Not even. Let me tell you what we. Over. Okay. So this is right outside the gym, right after his set. Uh, yeah. He went first before any of the rest of us did, and. It was, we're, we're doing uh, one of John's programs, an older one. That I don't think anyone knows about it. It's a really old one. But anyway, John had uh, – we were doing squats, and we were doing a, um, a half-field squat uh, with a you know safety squat bar. And I think we had three plates on there, maybe some more. And then we loaded it up with probably like another 300 pounds of chains. Okay. So you start off by doing a set of 10, pull some chains off, you immediately go into a set of five. Pull some chains off, you immediately go into a set of 10. Pull some more chains off. Then you're going to go 15 reps. And I'm telling you right now, like you get done, you you're, it's just black like this. You can only see like a, through a little pin and you're just like, <laughs> your, your legs just buckle underneath you. And um, I just sent you the, the picture of him afterwards, but he immediately just went right outside and just sat there and he's like, <laughs> you know, what's is. funny about workouts. I always tell people, yep. um, the guy, the guy that's standing always thinks that he's the guy who won and he's the guy who works hardest. I argue that the guy on the floor is the one who worked hardest because he beat the shit out of himself the most. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good and point, by the way, his yeah. name is Chasson Finaldi. He's a younger guy, 23 years old, and um, he works as hard as any of them that I've ever worked with. So big shout if out to Chasson. If, if you're That's training cool. with two guys and they're on the floor and you're standing, that means you didn't push yourself as hard as they pushed themselves. Huh. Yeah. I like I, that. I, I, to, be, to be fair, I went outside and I leaned over the railing thinking I was going to puke. I just dry heaved, which is worse. If you, if you, you guys agree, I always feel oh, 100% yeah. better once I get it out. I'm like, okay, what's next? You're when you got the dry heaves and it doesn't come out. 
Yes, exactly. And it almost seeps into your muscles to where like your muscles aren't ready to fire again for like another 20 minutes. <laughs> I got to get this puke out. I got to get this puke out. Yeah. All right. But Let's that, keep that was, talking some training workout. here. We got some good training stuff. We'll, we'll do one more question from Phil to Phil. Actually, and, you know what's funny? Yeah. Pull up, throw, throw up the pull up one because that's complete bullshit. Was it the chins or lat pull down? Is that the one? That's what I were, That's where I was going next. I felt like that'd be a nice segue talking it's about complete training. Complete bullshit. Here. All right, here we go. Okay, chins on lat pull downs. Since I read that DC sometimes likes to split up the last workout of the week into two days, uh, every two weeks, I split up chest, shoulders, tries, then back width and thickness so I can hit my back harder and heavier. Well, my exercise of choice for width is always chins since I suck at them. And I try to add one to two reps every time around which I haven't failed yet. Thing is, I have been doing my chins from the lat pull down station. Yep, you read that right. <laughs> now I can't explain the science behind it or the reasoning, but I set up the weight at 300 pounds and I just do my chins there rather than get a fixed bar. I've come to realize that I actually do more chins and I feel this much more, excuse me, much, much more in my back, especially in the lats, than I do from the stationary pull-up bar. Has anyone else ever tried these regularly? Oh, my God. So wait, where uh, are Did I respond to with WTF? or I don't know. <laughs> what would you do with and your feet? In, huh? Yeah, I'm wondering, too. I don't have a good visual. Did, did you tuck your feet behind you or like how did you? Uh, yeah, I would tuck my feet behind me and I would do pull-ups on the lat pull-down bar. Now, here's the thing. Okay. I said I added one to two reps every week. Well, that post was made after three fucking weeks. So I started at like three reps and I think I got to seven. <laughs> <laughs> so that was complete bullshit because I wasn't adding one to two reps for eight weeks or ten yeah. weeks. I was adding you one to two reps You didn't get up to 27 reps on a pull-up? Second of all... I just think it was complete bullshit now that I think back on it and remember, I was probably doing half reps, which is why I could do them better and feel it better. And honestly, this is one of those placebo situations where I probably wanted to believe that it worked better. So in my mind, it did. But there's absolutely nothing supporting that whatsoever that would actually make that a better option for pull-ups because you're not stable. Now you got to stabilize and pull up in an exercise I'm already bad at. Okay, like, I, I, I'm sorry if I'm the only one who does not understand this, but I'd like to think that I'm not the only dumbass that uh, I might be the only dumbass in the room right now, <laughs> but maybe not listening. So I don't want them. I want them to feel misery loves company. You're you're actually doing like you're pulling up. You have no you're pulling up on a lat bar that is hanging from one cable. Yes. Okay. It's unfortunate that you did this before cell phones could take videos. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> what the fuck this actually looks like. <laughs> and honestly, it's the stupidest. It's one of the stupidest things I ever came up with. And it was complete placebo. And it, I know I abandoned it pretty quickly. Um, this is just an example of a kid overthinking, wanting to believe something so much that they think it's true when it absolutely is not that's why i wanted you to post that because i wanted to show people that there was a time when even you know everybody just really overthunk and made mistakes and they were wrong about shit and placebo had its place you know that post is complete fucking bullshit because i don't think i got higher than seven or eight reps i was probably doing half reps because if i extended my arms my knees might would hit the seat right so well, let me, but let yeah. me add let me add something too to <clears throat> and i mean you know we're all in agreement that that was silly and kind of absurd but it's that type of mentality though of thinking and getting outside of the box that you clearly learned from it you didn't you didn't marry yourself to it you stuck with it until you realize okay there's this just isn't working this this is you know silly it's not as productive as i thought and then you got away from it and you can come back and laugh at it. that to me is kind of the that's kind of the mark of someone who wants to get out there and think and, and challenge things instead of just accepting and going, wow, this is how it is. And that's how the industry was when I got into it, I felt, because I couldn't stand that all these things were just, it's, I would say, why? Hmm. And the things you did to me, I did to Zilla and other people like that. So I would like to think that the coaches, better coaches and, and people who are known for coaching, who are good at, they probably have done 
the same shit you did and the same shit I did. And that's how we have learned so much through, again, trial and error and finding out what works, what doesn't. If it doesn't, you shelf it. If it does, you stick with it, you play with it, and you adjust it. So, I mean, in that sense, I you know, we can laugh about it now because it's funnier than shit. But you just saves you could potentially have saved someone time or you could have just convinced them that, yeah, I do need to challenge these thoughts, whether it comes from me or you or any of us and and prove and, and put those things into app. Who was the best at them, tweaking I exercises? Oh, yeah, I, was no, I, I, I was gonna say I who was the best at tweaking exercises like that? John. <laughs> yeah, oh no Meadows Rose. I mean sure. the way he does yeah. even the way he does his pullovers or outside the, the box. Little, Outside the box, things that you hadn't seen anyone else do before that right. you now you go into any gym, you see people that have been training for two years who've never been on a bodybuilding stage and they're doing something like that. And you're like, where'd you learn that? You're like, oh, right. I know. I saw it on this video on YouTube. It's like, that's a John thing. Yeah. You know, so it's the same I, I line think, of thinking. I think that when people say, you know, like, don't reinvent the wheel, a lot of times that's coming from people who I feel are not necessarily intellectually capable of making these advancements. So mm. they don't want you to raise the bar, you know, because... <laughs> I'm a big believer in if you can make the process better, why not? And, you know, I appreciate what, what Skip just said about um, the perspective on how to view the post. My only thing laughing about that was how absolute I sounded when I wrote it. Yeah. Sure, yeah, you know? yeah. Like yeah. I, I wrote it as if I was completely right. And I absolutely <laughs> was not. I have found something. I have found a gem. Yeah. Yes. You're not going be- to believe this. Look what I found. <laughs> and I'm there like this. Hmm. <laughs> oh my this god, I don't even want to see your response. I don't think I scrolled down on that one. <laughs> All right, listen. Well, let's wrap this segment up. Uh Phil, if people want to reach out to you, man, if they want to follow along with what you're doing, where where are you at on social media? Um, they can jump on my Instagram, uh Phil underscore viz, my Instagram. Um, that's pretty much it. I don't really answer emails. So if you need me, DM me. Um other than that, I don't really have any too many places that I try to promote myself. I'm not good at marketing. I'm not good at business. I just really love to do this. So I just focus on this. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And guys, of course, go over to bodyberry.com if you want to reach out to Andrew. Teamskip.com if you want to get a hold of Skip. Uh, McNally Diets at gmail.com for myself. And uh, thank you guys for supporting our sponsor, True Nutrition. You can use our code THINK for some additional savings over there, as well as supplementsource.ca for our Canadian people. Uh, guys, we appreciate you tuning in. Like, share, subscribe, all that stuff. And uh, leave us some good, uh, some good feedback on uh, hanging out with Phil here. I'm sure you guys will have a lot to say. 